Good morning and welcome to our service. We're glad that you're here today. We hope that our worship together will be encouraging to you. We're so thankful for the opportunity to be together on the first day of the week to worship God in spirit and in truth. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12 in just a moment, the passage that was read. And before we begin our study together, I do want to express appreciation to each and every person for your presence today, especially our visitors. We always have a large number of visitors with us from week to week, and we're so glad that you have come our way today. We want to encourage you to come back. It might be that you're looking for a church home, and we always want you to know that we'd love to have you come and be a part of the work here at Olive Branch. I think we have a lot of great things that are going on, and I know that you would be blessed to be a part of this congregation as we are blessed to be a part of it. Look, if you would, with me at Romans chapter 12 in verses 1 and 2. Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What does it mean to live like a child of God? To live like a saint. I know that all of us face many challenges and temptations in this life. One of the real threats that we face as children of God is conformity to the world. And Paul here is saying that as a child of God, we have to do our best to rise above the world to live a transformed life, to live in such a way so that we bring honor and glory to God. So it's in light of that that I want to look with you for just a moment or two at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, as we think about living like a saint. I begin today by emphasizing, first of all, the consecration of a saint. Really summed up in the words of Paul, that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. There are two things that we ought to think about in connection with this point. First, according to what the Bible says, there is dedication involved in serving God. I think all of us would agree that God is looking for people who will dedicate their lives to His cause. In the latter part of verse 1, Paul talks about how we are to present our bodies, our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. He said, which is your reasonable service? That word reasonable means to reason. It is the word from which we get our term logic. And so the idea is that we have the responsibility of delving into the word of God and discerning the kind of life that God would be pleased with. In other words, I have the responsibility of studying and saturating my mind with the will of God. 
and then drawing some very basic conclusions that this is how God would have me to live in this life. You remember in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul would say, but if I tarry long that you may know how to behave yourself in the house of God, the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. There is a type of behavior that is said to be becoming of a Christian. So what I want to do is to try to align my life with God's word, with God's will. And then there is a presentation involved in serving God. Again, Paul said that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Under the Old Testament, Levites served as priests. They had the responsibility, some of those priests had the responsibility of offering sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. Under the New Covenant, every Christian is said to be a priest. Now think about it this way. Under the Old Covenant, a priest would sacrifice an animal, signifying a death would take place. By the same token, when we obey the gospel and come to Christ, we die to self, don't we? Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I think Paul expresses it well in Galatians 2.20 when he said, I have been crucified with Christ and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But he would say in that same context, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So there is a death that takes place. And so as a priest of God, and in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter would say that we are living stones built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. And we are instructed to offer sacrifices which are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what kind of sacrifices is God looking for? Well, in this context, Paul would say that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Let me suggest that it involves a sacrifice of our affections. That is, God wants my love, doesn't he? You see, the Bible says that we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, at verse 38, this is the first and great commandment, to love God supremely in my life, to love him to the extent that I'm willing to put him before any and everything. As Jesus would say in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It involves a sacrifice of the mind. Paul would say in Philippians 2 verse 5 that we are to have the mind of Christ. That we are to bring every thought in subjection unto the obedience of the captivity of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It is a sacrifice of the eyes. And that is, I am to pour over the scriptures on a daily basis reading and studying and saturating my mind with the will of God, like the psalmist of old, who meditated on the law of Jehovah day and night, Psalm 1-2. It is a sacrifice of the ears. 
You remember in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9, a statement was made, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. I must be attuned to the will of God. I must listen to what God has to say to me through his word and respond accordingly. It is a sacrifice of the feet. For Paul would say in Romans chapter 10, verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things to know that I have the responsibility of sharing the gospel with other people, of telling my friends and family members about the Lord. And then also, it is a sacrifice of the hands. As Solomon would say in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 at verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I think about those people spoken of by Jesus in Matthew 25 who were complimented for their service in the kingdom of God. They administered to other people and that's what we're supposed to do. We are to use our bodies to the glory of Almighty God. You see, when I become a child of God, God claims me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul said, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you? which you have from God? He said, You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so to come to the understanding that I belong to God and that I am to use my faculties that I'm, I am to use my body in His service and to His glory. So first there is the consecration of a saint, and then secondly there is the transformation of a saint. Paul would say in verse 2 that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let me just talk a minute about the danger of allowing our mind to be conformed to the world. The word conformed, as used by Paul in verse 2, means to conform oneself in one's mind and character to another pattern. The idea is, expressed well by Phillips, that we're not to allow the world to pour us into its mold. Barclay said, don't let the world decide what you're going to be like. Now think about that for a minute. Paul is writing to Christians in the first century. He's writing to us today. And he's saying that our behavior is not supposed to be dictated by the world. The way I live and act, my speech, everything about me is to be controlled by the Word of God. And we'll talk about that in a minute. The danger, however, is allowing our mind to be conformed, thereby corrupted, by the world. James talks about the danger of becoming a friend of the world. He said, you adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Once we get on friendly terms with the world, that leads to a love for the world. John would say, love not the world, neither the things which are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, 
It's not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of the Father abideth forever. So here's what happens. We become friendly with the world, and that leads to a love for the world, and thus, as a result of that, we conform to the world. We allow the world to pour us into its mold, to decide how we're going to live and act. And the Bible says we're not supposed to do that. Because you see, if you are on friendly terms with the world, thereby falling in love with the world and become conformed to the world, then as James would say, you're spotted by the world. And James said that pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You remember the old saying, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And so, what the Bible is saying is, if we fall in line with the world and begin to act like the world and dress like the world and live like the world and carry ourselves like the world, the bottom line is, we're people of the world. When you look at scripture, one of the things that stands out is, we are to be a distinctive people. Distinctive in thought, distinctive in actions. There's to be a distinctiveness about us, about who we are. And so Paul is saying here, look, there is the real danger of conforming to the world. But there's a duty involved, and the duty is to allow our mind to be transformed by the Word. Not by the world, but by the Word. Listen again to Paul. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed, according to Thayer, means to change into another form, to transform. The idea is that when I become a child of God, I belong to Him. And everything about me, internally speaking, is to change for the better, isn't it? There is a transformation that takes place. I'm not what I used to be. I don't act like I used to act. I don't talk like I used to talk. Why is that? Because I'm a child of God. Because I'm trying to align my life with the will of Almighty God. I want to live in such a way so that when people see me, when they see me, they see a distinctive New Testament Christian. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. I think what Paul was saying is, when you carry yourself in the world, you let people see what it means to be a New Testament Christian. We don't have to be haughty and arrogant, condescending. But I think that we ought to live in such a way so that people say, you know what, there's something different about him or her. We don't need to measure up to the standards of the world. And sometimes those who are in the church fall back into the world. 
And when they fall back into the world, according to the Bible, they're on thin ice. So let me ask this question. How is the mind transformed? Paul would say that we are to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Well, it begins by studying the Word, doesn't it? How am I going to know what the will of God is? How will I ever know what God would have me to do, how, it, how He would have me to live if I never open His book? That's why Paul would say, study to show yourselves approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I've got to be willing to open the word of God and to recognize that there is a standard. That standard is truth. And then I have to be willing to be submissive to this word. Remember the words of Paul in Colossians chapter 3? When he would say, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, I am submitting my life to the authority of Jesus. I'm saying he is the Lord of my life. He is the ruler. He is, as Paul would say, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is in control. Sometimes you'll see bumper stickers that have the phrase, God is my co-pilot. Look, God doesn't want to be your co-pilot. He wants to be your pilot. God wants to be in absolute control. And the only way that he can be in absolute control is for you and for me to yield our lives to his will and to his service. Again, I think about the words of Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. God is the one that calls the shots. God is saying, I don't want you to be like the world. I don't want you to live like the world. I don't want you to act like the world. I don't want you to talk like the world. I want you to live like a Christian. You see, we're supposed to live a holy life, which, as Paul said, is acceptable to God. There's a lot of difference in living like the world and living like a Christian, a child of God. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study, and that is the validation of a saint. Paul would say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now listen to him. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. First of all, there is the evaluation of a Christian life. That word prove there in this text means to test, to examine, to see whether a thing is genuine or not. Now I want to ask you this question. In light of what Paul has said, when you place your life beside the scriptures, what do you see? Do you see a genuine New Testament Christian? Or do you see a counterfeit? Does your life measure up? Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Paul said, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How can I tell whether or not I'm walking in a way that would be pleasing to God? Well, according to Paul, here's what I do I take this book, which is called the Bible, 
I look at my life in light of what this book says. It's identified as the perfect law of liberty. It is the mirror of the soul in James chapter 1. So when I look at this book, I can discern whether or not I'm living as a Christian. I can tell whether or not my conduct is pleasing to Almighty God. You remember John? John said if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If I say that I'm a child of God and that I belong to him, but I'm out here living as people do in the world, and I'm using bad language, and I'm out here carrying on like the world does, what does that say to people? What does that say? What should that say to me? It says, my life doesn't meet the standard. The litmus test of how I am to live is truth. If my life doesn't measure up, something's wrong. Now John said, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Are we perfect? No. Do we fall, succumb to temptation from time to time? Yes. And there's a remedy for that. John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if I'm out here just habitually living like the world does and carrying on like the world, then my life is a contradiction to New Testament Christianity. So I can prove whether or not I'm what I'm supposed to be. And then there is the idea of exemplifying the Christian life. Paul said that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our goal ought to be to live in such a way so that we bring honor and glory to God. And in so doing, we show others. That is, we show the world what it means to be a child of God. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13? He said, you're the salt of the earth. In verse 16, he said, you're the light of the world. And so he would say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Either we are what we claim to be or we're not. No gray area. It's black and white. Either we're in or we're out. We're for him or we're against him. We're living a transformed life or we're living a conformed life. The goal of every Christian Live like a saint. Sometimes people will say, well, I'm a child of God, but I'm no saint. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be a saint. You are a saint. Because you see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul wrote to the church of God at Corinth, to those who are called saints. They've been sanctified in Christ, set apart for his usage. So today, I ask you this question. Are you living like a saint? Does your life befit New Testament Christianity? Now, it might be the case that you're here, you're not a Christian. I want you to know that God loves you personally, individually. God loves everyone. The Bible says, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for your sins. And he wants you to be saved. The Bible says God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Here's what you need to do. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. If you die in your sins, Jesus said, where I am, there you can't come. Then you have to be willing to not only believe in Jesus, repent of your sins, but confess His name before others. And then be immersed with him in a water or grave of baptism. When you do that, all your sins are washed away, according to Acts twenty-two sixteen. And if you'll be faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. If you're here today and your life doesn't align with the will of God, you have been conformed. And your life is not being dictated or being controlled by the Lord, then you got some trouble. And what you need to do is get your life back in harmony with the will of God. You see, sometimes folks in the church, they, as Peter said, they forsake the right way, 2 Peter chapter 2 at verse 15. And they go out and they start drinking and carousing and acting like the world, living like the world, they forget about their allegiance to the Lord. They carry on like people in the world. When people do that, they're in a lot of trouble. The only way to get right, come home. So if you're outside of Christ, unfaithful, we beg you to come as we stand and sing. Come to Jesus.